When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I am your host, Joe Quazala, and I know entirely too much about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I do a decent amount of research for these episodes. With me, as always, someone who doesn't do research but did not need to do research for this episode, I would predict, is my co-host joining me via Zoom video chat. It's Kristen Studdard. Hi, Kristen. Hello. Hi. I am excited to talk about an artist that I know about and that I didn't even have to look it up at all. Right. Pretty pretty remarkable and uh, uncommon for this show. Uh, let's bring in our guest. Very excited to have her. Once again, we've got a three time zone uh, podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm still in mountain you're time. still in mountain time. I'm on the West Coast. And coming to us from Chicago, we've got uh, pop culture music journalist, Brittany Pierre. Hi, Brittany. Hey, you guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Before we started recording, you did indicate that you were uh, fam- most of our guests aren't even familiar with this show before they come on, but you seem to have some level of familiarity. Yes, I've listened to um, a bunch of your episodes. Um, I think the latest one I listened to might have been the LaBelle's one or maybe Nine Inch Nails. I don't know which one was first, but... Okay, yeah, we did, we did LaBelle a few weeks ago. Does that mean you are coming in with... If, if you've listened to us a few times, you have some level of familiarity with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yes. So, what do you think? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I normally, when the the nominations come out, I love debating with people, mainly like my music friends, on like who they think is actually worth going in. And normally, there's like five people who I just don't know, I've never heard of, but they always get inducted. And it's very frustrating for like a music person that they're always inducting the same white men groups when they there's so many you know black artists and women who deserve it just as much as the other people that get inducted so I'm always arguing that they need to induct more women and black women especially and uh and black people and so um a few years ago I wrote an article about Janet Jackson that kind of sparked up the conversation about her needing to be in the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And that kind of started the conversation of like, yeah, Janet Jackson deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And she eventually got onto the ballot and she finally got inducted. So now it's time And she made a big case also for the induction of more women and Black artists in general in her speech. She heard you. She read the article. (laughs) She cared. You made it happen. She did share it, which was like a huge deal for me. I was like, oh my God. I would have died. I would have died. It would have been too much for me. I can't believe it. Okay. Well, that's very exciting. Yeah. And so this article was years before she had even been on the ballot, right? Correct. I think it might have been like 2014, maybe, or Mm -hmm. 13. 
And you were out there caring about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and making a case. I, You're a dream guest in many ways uh, because <laughs> you care about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but you also care about the artists and the causes that I care about. <laughs> so you're the intersection. <laughs> Very great. Have you uh, caught any of the ceremonies? Did you like? Did you watch Janet get inducted? I did watch her or her acceptance speech. She didn't perform, but uh, which was sort of disappointing. But I think she didn't do it because of HBO, maybe or something like that. Um, I just watched the highlights because it's yeah. kind of it's long. It's long, <laughs> and there's a bunch of bands that I never heard of that gets inducted, and I don't want to really watch them. But I do watch the highlights and. Um, I've been to the museum a bunch of time. I lived in Cleveland for a little bit and yeah, I don't have much opinions about the museum, but yeah. yeah. Oh, you don't? It sounds like you might. <laughs> you went a couple, <laughs> you went a bunch of times, you lived in Cleveland. You're like, oh yeah, but I don't, I don't have anything to say about it. <laughs> All right. Ready? Well, you know, <laughs> after it feels like they put Janet on the ballot and she was on their twice and then she was off and then she was back and then she finally got in and you know we talk a lot on this show about the kind of tokenism within the rock hall of like you can only have one slot for like a a black woman pop star and that seemed to be correct because as soon as janet got in then suddenly whitney gets to be on the ballot right and then Mm -hmm. and then whitney gets in and you know it's unfortunate that they view induction like that whereas as you said a handful of unlimited spots yeah, for, for classic rock groups acts, for... of white men from the 60s 70s and beyond <laughs> i mean i think most people just think they hear rock and roll so they just think it should only be you know rock bands but it's about music in general you know black people are the foundation of music and they deserve to have a seat at the table at the rock hall, rock and roll hall of fame just as much as you know Led Zeppelin or the else. Moody Blues. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did like this class, I didn't have much arguments about the class that was inducted this year. But most of the time, I'm like, I hate every class that gets inducted. Yeah, I mean, this was a class that felt like we were finally inching forward into, say, the '90s. You know, yeah. and even you, ha- even the one white guy classic rock act has a black guy in it. You know, there yeah. is a, there's a black member of the Doobie Brothers. So like, <laughs> yeah. I guess you take what you can get if you still have to have one old dad rock band in there. Right. Yeah, definitely. And uh, they were expanding kind of the types of music. Yeah. That we're seeing, you know, we're definitely seeing the new wave, uh, the new wave actually. <laughs> the literal, yeah. New the wave. literal new yeah. wave is coming through with the, um, in the inductions, which I'm excited about as far as what this means for who could get in the, in the future. But it makes me a little bit nervous because I feel like they're jumping into hip hop. So that means more, which I want more hip hop people to get in, obviously. But I think they're going to always overlook black women because of this now. It's just going to be more men getting inducted yeah i mean that, get left mm-hmm. out of the conversation that's a good point if, if they continue to only give a few slots per year and the history of hip-hop uh, does not have well and like i i mean that they're like i think missy will get in i think i think salt and peppa should get in i'd love to do an episode Definitely. about them there are a, a multitude of women in rap it, it's just it is a male dominated as far as like pop culture is concerned, as far mm-hmm. as like 
album sales is concerned, but they're out there. Yeah. You, and you just wonder when we're not even really there yet. Missy doesn't become eligible for another few years, but how and when will the hall uh, acknowledge her and women of color in hip hop when they haven't even been able to induct LL Cool J? It's a slow That's grind. Uh-huh. It's oh. a slow grind with that genre. Uh, but I would like to talk about our artist for today, Mariah Carey. <laughs> Yes, I'm so excited about talking about Mariah Carey since I can't talk about Janet Jackson. So, right, yeah, that's off the <laughs> well, table. Also, I mean, it, yes, and truly though, I do want to say one of my favorite. I don't listen to our podcast, uh, but one of the moments of our podcast that I have listened to multiple times is the moment that I find out that Janet Jackson is being inducted. It is pure joy captured in audio. Wrong it was motion. also five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I was very tired and I did not expect it. He really surprised me with the reveal that she was getting in. And I, I mean, it was so edifying for me, but yeah, me Mariah too. also excited. Tell me everything, Joe, how long has she been eligible for? Yeah, no, I mean, we'll get to that. But first, Brittany, I would love to know your personal relationship with her music. And, you know, sometimes you like to start if you can even remember the first time you heard Mariah Carey. I honestly can't remember the first time I listened to Mariah Carey. I feel like I just had Mariah always in the background in my life. Like I just always heard her music. I remember watching her music videos on like the box, which was like, for the youngins that don't know, it was like MTV, but not MTV. And so I just always was impressed by her vocal abilities. And I think by the time that Daydream came out, I remember looking at the artwork or whatever. I can't remember what it's called, but learning that she would write and produce her own music was just like a huge deal for me. And I, and I'm not saying that that takes away from any artist that doesn't write their own music or produce it, but I think Mariah doing that. I think she doesn't get credit for how incredible she is as a lyricist and as like just creating the melodies that she has is just, it's unbelievable. And she's written some of the most magnificent songs of our time. I'm trying to even remember. I remember the music video for Someday because it had kids in it and I was young. And I remember being like, I'm a kid. This could be about me. Mariah Carey is singing about me. It's like how, you know, when you like, when when I was into like, uh, I was very, very young when New Kids on the Block was out. And so I was like, cool. I like the youngest member of New Kids on the Block because that's the most likely person that I could ever date I'm six <laughs> you know like what but like I remember it's like that where I remember seeing that music video because it's like the little girl in the overalls and she's in school and the boy doesn't like her and then she does some cool dance moves in a like blossom hat yeah. <laughs> and you know and then Mariah is there singing to her and she's feeling better are you pinpointing that as your first moment I'm trying to remember, I just, I vividly remember seeing that video and connecting very strongly to it because there was a kid in it. Uh And I also remember the video for emotions. It's like amber tones and she's just singing beautifully. And that's a great song. I recently reconnected to her MTV Unplugged two or three years ago. I just Mm -hmm. was like, man, I got to get back into the the glory days of Mariah's beautiful voice. (laughs) I mean, it was like one of her first live performances and stuff. And she sounds so nervous and humble. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're starting to touch on different moments of Mariah's career. 
But why don't we kind of, especially for, I, I, I think our listeners tend to be more rock focused. So I think it would be a good idea. And we can all, we can all chime in with, with different memories. But if we kind of go through Mariah's career, and she started very young, you know, she was a, a teenager and moved to New York City with her brother to try and get a, a record deal. She was working on, Kristen, are you familiar with Brenda K. Starr? Yes. The comic? No, no. Wait, no, I was thinking, I'm thinking of Brenda K. Who is the hell is Brenda K. Starr? I'm thinking of Brenda K. Starr as like a comic, like in the Sunday funnies. Do you know right, what I'm the talking comic about? Right, there's, there's a comic strip called Brenda Starr. Correct. Okay. <laughs> I'm not like well, totally off base then. Okay. <laughs> But there is also, there's a musician. Oh, she did I Still Believe. Yes, I do know that song. And that's really Mariah got her start doing background vocals for Brenda, who then brought her to like an industry party where she brought her mixtape. Because she had been working with with a guy, Ben Margulies, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they had she had her little tape, and she's there's a bunch of dudes that like you know powerful label executives, and the the story is that Tommy Matola like stepped forward and like snatched the tape out of her hand. It was like I'll take care of this. Let me look. Uh, and it kind of didn't give anyone else a chance to look at it, and he listened to it like almost casually in the limo out of the party and then had to like turn around get me back to that party i have to find this woman and sign her and she had already left the party and then it became like a a cinderella thing where they had to like track down this this woman who has this insane demo tape with a lot of the songs from what was on the demo yeah i'm curious do you want yeah it was it was a good amount of the stuff that ended up on that first self-titled album uh, that's kind of how the career of Mariah Carey started is that she was this, I mean, the voice I, w- I think was apparent on those demos. And so, uh, how old were, was she when all of that was going down? She was probably 19. Yeah. She was like 18, 19 at the time. How old was she when she and Tommy Mottola got married? It was a few years 23. later. How old was he? Does anybody want to freak he's me tw- out? He's a good 20 years older than her. Great. Her, so her relationship with Tommy Matola kind of defined the kind of first few years of her career, because not only was he the uh, head of Sony Records, but he was also he became her boyfriend and then husband. And you can you definitely see a, a departure when their uh, relationship starts to fizzle out or blow up, depending on how you want to look at it. But the music does start to change because I think he had her in a in very a box. specific box mm-hmm. yeah and that she was you know middle of the road ballads and safe and for everyone but as like i said and also especially with more success she got to have more autonomy and then as she went away from tommy she got to have even more and i think as you progress from her first albums to throughout her career you see kind of the deeper artist awaken out of the safe balladeer. And that's not necessarily to take anything away from 
those early songs, which some of them are, are still very popular and, you know, have their own merits, but she definitely blossomed into, I think, a, a true artist. Well, I agree. I-, I think she, once she came into her own, I think that's when she really became like the superstar that people were really taking notice of her. And I think that's when she cemented how great of an artist she was. And then I also think she's also very important when it comes to hip hop music which is another story, but I think she really is like a, an anchor for pop stars to go that urban route. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like think- true crossover appeal, if you will, you know, like she was able to do it. She was able to change the style of production used in her music. She was able to be the person who sang hero. And then a hero comes along. And then also the person who sang the fantasy old dirty bastard remix. There are so many different things and things that we've already brought up that I want to make sure we don't gloss over, but those first few years and albums, she did not tour because of a number of reasons, you know, and it's expected of an artist, especially at that time to release an album and then go on tour to support the album and then come back and do another release. But she had chosen to take a different approach, which was, you know, those first few years, there was an album every year. Whereas, you know, by the time of the Yeah, I'm looking at this. I didn't realize that the self-titled and emotions came out one year apart. Like, what is that, 89 and 90 or something? It was 90 and 91. Yeah, I, I think she also knew that the songs that she had to perform live if she did do a concert were would be extremely taxing. But she also got a lot of blowback because of that people just thought she was a studio musician and that she couldn't do it live. And that kind of spurred what you'd mentioned before the unplugged performance, which was she had done live performances on like the Grammys and stuff, but it was really a moment for her to say, I can sing live. I'm a, I'm a real singer. I'm not just like a studio creation. And that was, I think that's a huge turning point in her career. I mean, her cover of the Jackson 5 song, I can't remember which one I'll it be is. There. Um, just, I'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah, I think it's up there as one of the classics. Just call my name and I'll be there. Her voice is just immaculate um, on the Unplug album and that cover is just amazing. Yeah, and she didn't, they didn't have that planned they had told her, you know, a lot of people, when they do unplug, they they will throw a cover or two in there. And she was like, all right, I will pick one. And I don't think they had really rehearsed it that much. And then, yeah, it that became one of her number one hits, her 19 number one hits. I remember, too, like that being a thing. Yeah, that her voice, like, does she really, can she really do that? Is that real? The sounds that she's making uh, Brittany, I, I, you had mentioned to this to me off air, but I, I do want to ask you about it. Did you almost break up with someone because you were arguing about <laughs> Mariah Carey being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I, I did. Um, <laughs> it was on my birthday, which is just like a terrible thing to do to someone to like subject them to a conversation about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on, <laughs> on your birthday. Yes. <laughs> that and also, you know, saying anything negative about the Queen Mariah, but uh, we were discussing, I guess, artists that should be inducted. I mentioned how Mariah Carey should be. I was like, you know, she's coming up her 25th year. So eventually we should have that conversation that she should be looked at 
to be considered. And he was just like, that's insane. He's like, I don't think she can sing. He was like, I don't, he, yeah. He was like, I don't think she could sing. He's like, I don't think that's her real voice. He's like, I don't think she has an impact on pop culture. And I was like, did we see the same Mariah Carey? Am I like witnessing the same person? I was like, I honestly didn't have a comeback because my brain couldn't comprehend what he was saying to me. Yeah, what what on I, earth? Because those this are like person thinks that they know about music. Like, who do they think should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Like, I don't even remember. I I could only remember us discussing Mariah and how insane that sounded to me. How did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame come up? You guys were just chatting about music, and <laughs> I I'm just curious. You know, the only organic way I've ever seen it come up is that Joe is literally in the same conversation, <laughs> or now me. Now I'm a person who will be, you know, in a bar with someone and be like, oh, yeah, oh, here we go. The Cure they got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame two years ago. Like, I will be that person saying it now, but I'm curious yeah, as to how I that think, comes up. Among- I don't remember, but I was living in Cleveland at the time. So I feel like maybe announcements of people were around that time uh-huh. and then we discussed it. So that's the this only This is an way only in Cleveland kind of conversation. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm just trying to connect to it. I'm- a few things you can do in Cleveland, which is like <laughs> sports, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and like a restaurant that's really cool there, so. <laughs> but I, it's really- like if you're a Mariah hater, okay, whatever. But like if your ammo is that she can't sing and that she That's hasn't like- had cultural impact, like those are the to me. And I I think you were kind of getting at this. It makes you go insane. She's like, well, those are like the those are two inarguable facts. I mean, she's one of the best vocalists of our time. So for him to be like, I don't think she can sing, and I was like, but haven't you witnessed? her perform and he's like and then I thought about how like a few years prior she had a lot of incidents where she couldn't really sing as well as she used to so I think that might have been why he said she couldn't sing but still that doesn't make like sense. there was that a time there was that time when she went through that period where she really was her voice was in terrible shape she was having bad live performances but people you know that happened to uh Whitney Houston as well so like let's not get it twisted about whether or not she could or did or was a great I mean I'm not hating on Bob Dylan but he's not the best vocalist you've ever heard but he's inducted (laughs) yeah and the ability to retain your voice I really don't think plays a part uh in potential inductions Mm. so yeah I almost dumped him on my birthday but I didn't finish my food and I wanted him to pay for it so Eventually, I got. I forgot all about it. Wise. And are you guys still together, or was this the beginning of the end? The beginning of the end, definitely. <laughs> the cracks are showing. Okay, let it be known. <laughs> let it be known. Literally, a man tries to tell me that Mariah Carey can't sing. It's a. That's gonna be. That's that's the deal breaker remix, if you that's will. That's definitely a big red flag. If he says Mariah can't sing, he clearly has mm-hmm. a terrible time listening to music. Yeah. No. That's going to be a no for me. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like someone who is just trying to stir shit, if I may. <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of male think that certain types of artists should be inducted. I see that argument a lot when it comes to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that you should just only be a certain type. So when it comes to like Mariah or like Whitney Houston, it's just like, but that can't be inducted. But you know, you had like Diana Ross inducted. All the Motown greats have been inducted. So why can't Whitney 
and Mariah or Shaka Khan that get inducted. Yeah. And it's, you have to really look at it as, you know, what is, where is this music coming from is often how I think about it. You know, if you, if you trace the lineage and when you go back, when you have these divas, you you got to take it back to Aretha and Etta James and, and Ruth Brown. And nobody is going to act like they're not worthy of the rock hall. And so it's like, are you supposed to cut the, these branches uh, just when they're starting to, to branch out? It's, it's a very weird argument. Uh, and I also think like, because now we're inducting people that we witness as artists, you always kind of think of like artists from like, back in the day when it was like black and white TVs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's very, how do you manage to think about it in the present time when you watch them, their careers throughout your entire life? Yeah. And when the culture doesn't change as quickly throughout the decades as it did from say the fifties to the eighties, right? as it does from like the nineties to now, it, it is hard. And it's hard to look at like a, even a band like it's Radiohead to, yeah. and go like, they're in the Hall of Fame. They're a legacy act now when people would have a hard time reconciling with that because they're like, no, no, no. That means I'm going to die soon. <laughs> it's hard to think of like, yeah, contemporary acts as being legendary, you know? Like we know who our living legends are and it's like Beyonce, obviously. It's very hard, I think, to put it into that context of it being a contemporary legend or a living legend or a person who, especially when they're making music that it, I think we ran into this with the eighties. I don't think it's as much of a detriment to Mariah. The The style of music that she made, especially in the beginning, I think is a, is a detriment to her because as far a detriment only in the concept of rock and roll um, and like with the, you know, guitar cock rock purist type people, mm -hmm. but it's less so than it was even with Whitney though, because I think Whitney had kind of like some eighties production, eighties you know, production things going on and stuff. And Mariah, I, I don't, I don't know. Are we ready for, are we ready for the nineties ballads production style to be honored and recognized? Is that, are we, are we ready for that conversation? I don't know. You know, the history of rock and roll has been told by a kind of narrow type of white guy and who famously and traditionally do not like pop music, what is considered to be pop music. And we've seen, we've definitely seen a real change of music criticism. And, you know, I think poptimism is the word that they use for it. But we, we've seen a lot of change Optimism? in that. Yeah, optimism. Oh, I don't mind that. Be optimistic, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, I'm I pretty, think I'm you pretty optimistic been. most I of the time. Even in this terrible piece of shit year, I'm, I'm <laughs> somewhat optimistic. I remain <laughs> cautiously optimistic. But it it is allowed for some revision of the artists that critics had dismissed for a long time, and Emma Mariah. She exists in that space as someone who I think critically and even just potentially the culture looked at as a pop artist, but then later had a turn to consider them as a as a serious artist the way you would someone who wasn't making pop music. I think pop music is a part of the rock oeuvre. And mm. I think that to... It's interesting because when you look at radio formatting, it does not cross. There are harder lines than 
than there are in the general term about music. You know, rock and roll is much more all encompassing than like a rock and roll formatted radio station would have you believe. Oh yeah. And I think that pop is very much a, a part and included in that. And yet it's like, why does someone who plays the guitar, why are they considered more worthy than someone who plays their voice, like is a vocalist? Or why, for example, is someone who fronts a rock ba a band with uh, someone who's playing guitar in it and maybe all they are doing is vocalizing and mm -hmm. maybe not even brilliantly and maybe not even like <laughs> making people think that they are being manipulated by a studio uh soundboard machine, yeah. machine, why are they more worthy than someone who is using their instrument, but not in front of a guitar? Like, why does it need a guitar to be thought of as rock and roll? I think it, it has something to do with what you alluded to, which is radio formats. Like the radio formats have conditioned us to believe that the term rock is one specific thing. And that gets embedded in in people and in the culture and that it's it's hard to dig out of that and look at the history and then reformat because we've we've we know what our presets are on our radio it's and 2020 though we're we're all jack fm now like you know yes, but we're the spotify like, generation yeah there is no that's i think that we are getting to a point especially the next generation the little zz's out there <laughs> they don't care about genre at all, but they also don't care about an album either. I think that we've kind of like gone off the off albums almost completely as a whole. Well, you know, Brittany, you know, what's so difficult <laughs> about this thing we call the rock and roll hall of fame is that, and you might, you might already be aware of this. There's no criteria for induction. Mm -hmm. The hall does not mm -hmm. publish any list of reasons that make you uh, worthy of of being enshrined in Cleveland. So as a nerd, and because I have a podcast, I put together a list of categories that I think if you do well in those, you have a decent shot and a good case for induction. So let's take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, we're going to see how Mariah Carey stacks up. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break, you complimented a, a, a friend on some new gear that they got. Maybe they got an AKG microphone like Kristen is talking into. Smooth, seamless I... product integration. This is what we're about. This is what you've come to expect from who cares about the rock hall. And but now you've come it. to expect the crisp, clear tones of my voice. <laughs> Thanks AKG. to AKG. Podcast essentials kit. It's improved it's awesome, our podcast. I, I mean, yeah, and you do look cool behind that. Like, yeah, it's just you look like Orson Welles. Well, <laughs> that's me. That's me. I'm out here terrifying people with my tales of alien invasion. <laughs> All right. So Mariah Carey became eligible for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the 2016 ceremony. The only connection I can find is that she did induct someone into the rock and roll hall of fame Ooh, uh, tell me what year in 1996 oh jesus okay she inducted gladys knight and the pips wow yeah so let's talk about the first category with mariah which is iconic recognizable songs now LOL. that is a big lol because i'm afraid we'll get trapped in this category 
because we can talk about it for so long. Um, she had 19 number one hits. And not, I would say not all of them are actually that recognizable anymore, especially some of the ones from the beginning. Now we can kind of go through chronologically and I, I will say what I think are the big recognizable songs and you guys may uh, disagree or feel like feel the need to chime in, please do so. But her first single, I think, has uh, stayed as a pretty iconic song, which is Vision of Love. I had a vision of love And it was all that you've given to me I had a vision of love And it was all that you've given And I think that that song was really huge for people. It, like, brought the melisma style of singing into pop music in a way that I, I'm not entirely sure existed. It also was the first song to truly be about the secret and manifesting <laughs> your partner. <laughs> she did it. She had a vision of love and then it came true. And this was 1990. And so the secret hadn't even been published then, you know, not a single person in Los Angeles was cleansing their crystals <laughs> in the moonlight yet. Like it wasn't happening. So she brought all that to us as well. So I think Snoop Dogg said that vision of love helped him when he was in prison. <laughs> I, I mean, that's iconic. That's beautiful. If you can, if you, if you can help Snoop Dogg behind bars, I think and that's... that was like in 1990. So this was before Snoop was Snoop. This was, he was, you know, oh, I just, I like to imagine him having any sensitivity, like, you know, in the, uh -huh. in the early days, I really do like to imagine that. It sounds great. Yeah. And although there are three other number ones from that album, I don't really think any of the other ones are at that tier with Vision of Love. The next one I would actually say would be the title track from Emotions. That's a yes. song you still hear quite a bit. It has, you know, stood the test of time. Next up, I would say Hero from Music Box. And then a hero comes along with the strength to carry on. And you cast your fears aside. And you know you can survive. You wouldn't, you would not say Dream Lover? I wouldn't. What do you guys think? I don't think I would say, I wouldn't say Dream Lover as well. I would put it in her top iconic recognizable songs, but maybe, maybe it's just, you know, my own personal. I mean, topic. it's, it's one of her number ones. So you, you can't take that away from her, but. I mean, you hear the opening chords of it and it's like, and then she does the, the notes right out the top, right at the beginning of that song. Like it starts in such an, that I mean, is a great song. Dream Lover is there. I just don't think you hear it that much. Yeah, I don't days. think casual listeners would know Dream Lover, but I do love that song. Yeah. It's really unfortunate that it hasn't, you know, made it into the. I, I would put it up. I just, I would rather Fair. hear that song than emotions. And I love emotions. Really? Don't get me wrong. Right. Like I'd rather hear dream lover. Wild. No, I, think, I kind that's of think that's crazy, but. Okay. Well, you can think that. I debated bringing this up uh, at this point or at the end, but it was released in 1994. Here it and is. I think might 
be the number one song on the day we release this podcast. Uh, it definitely will be. Which is uh, All I Want for Christmas is You. changed the game now. it really did it's also like to because it did not go number one when it was initially released oh, they, that's surprising they did not do a like major singles push for that song so it didn't get to number one at the time and then there was some rule where you couldn't have a song after it had been released for a certain time come back on the charts there would be a separate chart for like recurrence but they changed that rule. And then in 2019, for the first time, All I Want for Christmas is You went to number one. Which what? is Joe, I really am not following. I when did it but it's been it's been but on it, like but it never went to number one on the Billboard charts as a song on like the hot one hundred. Wow. I think also because now they include like streaming in terms of how they determine what is a number one. And because it was at the end, it was Christmas time of 2019, it rolled over into 2020. And it also happened again this year. But that song alone gives her two separate decades to add on to the 90s and 2000s. And she is the only artist to have a number one in four separate decades. When did it get so popular though? It was like Love Actually. Is that what? Yeah, I think it was around that time. That's a song that I feel like every holiday season it like it like comes back and it has it has some popularity and then it just it it has just kept growing and and growing. Well, it's also the newest Christmas classic that we have. Mm-hmm. We have that Ariana Grande song and like Kelly Clarkson has one that's like kind but of not known, really, but not they're not part of the canon. Blockbuster canon. All right, let's get back to the iconic Mariah songs. Now, at this point, like around 95, I think is where you start to get the heights. Like she is breaking out of the image that was created for her. She has more creative control. And that's when you get, and now we're getting the songs that would say off the very, very top, like fantasy. I mean, she made me want to go to Rye Playland, which was near where I lived, and want to recreate that music video. And then she had ODB. Just so fantastic. Yeah. And that is, we mentioned that before, but that is like, I don't think people realize how bold of a move that was at the time. Like, it was not a normal thing for a pop singer to just have a featured verse. Like, the idea of a featured verse really comes from this song and like the, she kind of established that format and also ODB is like crazy like he's like a very <laughs> aggressive sounding well have you guys ever heard there's the, the story of his verse on that have we talked about I've, it on I've the heard, show Why? I've heard so many different ODB stories like about his involvement in uh, Ghetto Superstar among other things like he he is one of the strangest figures in music uh, I, I love him rest in peace he managed <laughs> Dirt to McGirt, get but... more money because they wanted him to say Brooklyn on the a, house yeah different cities and so he got <laughs> another because they wanted him to add extra cities and they got him to he got them to add like another $15,000 session fee for him to come and he would come take a nap he was on scissor the whole time and like he would come take a nap get up do like one take lay back down 
we're talking several hours worth. They don't have very much tape of this verse. And that was why then they went back and they were like, we actually do want to get a couple of other cities in. He's like, cool, pay me again. I'll be taking my entire session fee and I will be sleeping for most of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Smart. He's a legend. And Mar- Mariah fought for him to be on that because, you know, no- nobody from the label was thinking that was a that was a good idea. Uh, and and I, as I mentioned earlier, that it kind of was the it, it helped make that when uh, pop stars make that urban uh, crossover hits like they get a rapper on their song. And I think a lot of people are like, well, you can say Madonna has done that. She's had some urban songs, but she hasn't had before Mar- Mariah did, you know, fantasy that she didn't have any hip hop artists on her records. So I would argue that maybe she, Mariah is more impactful when it comes to crossover in hip hop. And this is before the Puff Daddy kind of sampling of vocalists was so popular in rap music. There was not a lot of pop and rap crossover kind of happening at this point. So she's out here. Speaking of of Puff, he produced the remix of Fantasy. Oh, yeah, that's right. That See, I believe. Yeah, no, it it fits in. I can feel it. (laughs) And then I'm looking at this album and I'm like. We are going to talk about Always Be My Baby, yeah? Now, Always Be My Baby and Fantasy both went to number one. And I think those are the the big, still to this day, you hear them all the time from that album. But they were not the biggest single from that album, the biggest single was One Sweet Day with wow. Boys to Men. And that song was a, a monster hit. Although I do feel like I don't hear that one today as much. It was everywhere, whatever year that was. 95. 95. 95. So I think we just didn't need it anymore. <laughs> I don't know. We over, it was just, we drained the battery so much. Yeah. But it I is mean... a great song. Uh, and then we go from, so that's all from the daydream album. Then we go to butterfly. And also really quickly though, I yeah. do just want to say that that is one, two, three, that's five albums, including the Christmas album in five years. Right. She has an album out in 1990, 91, 93, 94, 95. Is that even including Unplugged? No. Because that that EP, because it was technically an EP, was also a huge release. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that was 92. So that's the one year that she doesn't have one of these official albums. Because she really, yeah, she was, so, yeah, 90, 91, 92, 93. It's really, it's really. uh, A lot. And that was kind of the focus instead of doing the traditional like touring route. And I think she started the tour, but it would be very like she would do five dates and there would be a lot of time in between them. Have either she of you seen it. Mariah Carey live? I have not. I always wanted to see Mariah Carey live. I need to do it before anything happens. Like, you know, that one artist that you have to see before yeah. they retire. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would love to see her. The thing about her, though, is she had that 
thing with her voice. And then, you know, there's those amazing gifts of the lazy choreography of her being carried all over the stage, (laughs) which I love and am very, very much here for. Um, And I would love, I would definitely pay to watch her be carried around the stage. I just, I wonder, because she's never been like, you know, she's not a dancer. And so the stage show is, you know, going to be everybody around her. And then she's just doing, she's giving us the vocals. Yeah, that might be why the Unplugged concert worked so well is because what's really in focus is the vocals, which is what she delivers. All right, so we go from the Daydream album to Butterfly. To me, the big song you still hear is Honey. And this was also a a turning point for her because it was like the first single after she was out from under the clutch of Tommy Mottola. And I remember this video. You guys keep mentioning all the videos. This is an iconic music video. But the Honey video was important to me as a a (laughs) 10-year-old boy because she was finally super sexual <laughs> and like she Tommy Matola had really made sure that she was not that way and then she was like I'm gonna express myself and She's I can like I am a bond girl I am slowly exiting the water yeah and uh, and I took note <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying I'm looking at this album and I'm like did did butterfly chart I know my all no. probably did my all was no my all went to number one That's not a song that I feel like, like I said, I, oh, has stuck around. Oh, it's all good. It's such a great ballad, though. I mean, like, that's one that is probably playing on some, you know, what do you call it? Like soft rock office appropriate <laughs> music station. That's your dentist's office. It's got my all on loop. And then uh, 1999's Rainbow, you've got uh, Heartbreaker. song is so good does that song still get played that song i think so absolutely that's when i I feel like i hear and continuing the trend of having a feature verse jay's verse on that is undeniable it's one of my favorite jay-z verses in the whole universe it's so good she wanna shop with jay play box with jay she wanna pillow fight in the middle of the night she wanna drive my bands with five of her friends she wanna creep past the blocks fine again she wanna roll with jay chase skios away she wanna fight with lame chicks blow my and then after that i mean she had another number one on that album with uh thank god i found you but i don't i couldn't tell you how that joe and 98 degrees I, I wouldn't don't think say. That was a, yeah, I wouldn't say that would be an iconic song for her. No, it went it, to number one. Did you? Say? Yeah, with the number one. 
God, it's just 1999. Anything can happen, you know. <laughs> you put 98 degrees on something, it's going to number one. Like, is that the power in 1999? I guess so. And then degrees. This is kind of where. So then she ended her relationship with Sony and Columbia, you know, trying to finally get away from Tommy Matola. She signed this huge record contract with Virgin Records and then immediately made glitter and then they bought her out of her contract and it was a, it was a really messy time also before i mean the the circumstances surrounding glitter are not great this is when she like before glitter came out she went on TRL and was handing out like popsicles and ice cream to the people and then like took off her shirt and then was like is this, this is ther- this is therapy for me and Carson's like <laughs> What? What? Yeah. Is this, I just is rewatched this... it. And at first I was like, this is like great promo. Like if that was done today, like that would have mm-hmm. been great. Like she's, you know, handing out ice cream, but then it like got really weird. And, but I also think that's just her personality. Now that we know Mariah, she's just eccentric. Also at that time, uh, our culture's relationship to mental health was not uh, a strong one. Around the time of the TRL thing, the incident she started posting stuff to her website, almost like it was her little blog. And it's really interesting the way it was handled because she said shit like, I'm fucking exhausted. It's been go, go, go. And I have not had a second to breathe. I would like to have one night of sleep where someone's not waking me up, asking me about a music video. I would just like to just figure some shit out and slow down. And her publicist response to that was... She had to delete all those comments. And then her publicist was like, she's not she's not thinking right. We don't know what she's talking about. Uh, everything's okay. She just wasn't in her right mind when she wrote that. She's a robot who loves to make music. Yeah. She, but I think she now, would never have a feeling that yeah, was bad. If something like that happened now, I think people would be very, uh, they would relate to it and they would be very sympathetic. But at that time it was just, no, 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 no. She can't, she can't say she's tired. And I think that was like a time period where people just didn't embrace Mariah anymore. I think they started to turn on her because she was quote unquote crazy. And I feel like if she was a guy, it would have been seen a little bit different. There might've been more compassion towards her than- Oh yeah, and women would have been very into it. They would have been like, he's so tortured. Yeah, tortured in trouble. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I can save him. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Meanwhile, Mariah's like, I'm exhausted. I've been putting out albums nonstop. And also I was in a pretty- Shut uh, up, shut up, shut up. Tyrannical relationship. Shut up, shut up. She's not talking. (laughs) Shut up, shut up, shut up. She's fine. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She's uh, she's talking in her sleep. Uh, Anyway. But yeah, it's uh, the, what American culture does to specifically female uh, pop stars at that time, whether it's Britney or Whitney or Mariah, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence. But because of all that, and also Glitter was literally released on 9-11. Wait, really? Yeah, the yeah. album dropped on 9-11. Did the which, movie open also at that time? Probably well? that week. Or, or maybe Good they pushed it back God. because it was, you know, I remember a lot of movies were being pushed back that were intended to be released that week. So that kind of started a, like Virgin bought out her contract. And then it was this, she re-signed with Island Def Jam, but it was, things were starting to go south. And she released uh, after that an album called Charm Bracelet, which didn't really 
make yeah. much of a mark. And it seemed like she was kind of out for the count. And then boom, she's back. She's been emancipated. <laughs> yeah, in 2005, we get the emancipation of Mimi and it has an incredible single. The first three songs on this album. Are... Well, I think the, the big one that everyone still knows and everyone still remembers is We Belong Together. Remember oh, listening to "It's Like That" um, in the limo to prom. <laughs> like, it was just like our soundtrack for that that time period. I'm so glad that she came back and, and gave us this album. So it was so huge, and it you know it got a bunch of awards, and it was it was well, back popularity wise. All of her collaboration with hip hop artists really came to fruition. It was like the culture was ready for it. It was like she had planted the seeds ten years earlier, mm-hmm. and then just like reap the rewards finally a decade later. Yeah. And so this this was huge. And then the the following album, you know, her last number one was uh, Touch My Body. A good song. I don't know that we we hear it that much anymore. And that was a that's my uh, kind of run through of the what I think are the big songs and I didn't even mention a lot of her number ones again can't reiterate it enough 19 number ones and then she had like one of the longest running songs until last year one sweet day was like one of the longest number ones I think it was like mm-hmm. 16 weeks, weeks or something 16, yeah. yeah and then yeah. Old Town Road finally took, yeah. took, took, on the, took the crown yeah <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it, there's so many superlatives with Mariah that like it's hard to even keep track of like, you know, the first five singles that she released all went to number one. The This, that, it's like she she's breaking so many records, it's hard to really keep track at how many weeks at number one. Like it's she's she's owning all these crazy records when it comes to success. Let's talk about classic albums, though. Let's finally like, get. I already to the listened to category. the top nineteen songs. <laughs> right. Uh, let's get to the second category, though. Finally, classic albums. So, like we said, there's Mariah Carey. There's Emotions. It's like as as we trickle further, we get to, you know, someone who was kind of a singles artist who then started to blossom into more of making a artistic statement with her albums. You know, and all of them sold very well. Music Box, Daydream, Butterfly, Rainbow, and then, you know, a few other ones, and then Emancipation <laughs> words, of Mimi. Literally, though, this is why it, it's like you just said the names of her albums, and people are just like, oh, that's teen girl fluff, you know, right. Music yeah. Box, Rainbow. Rainbow, Butterfly, Daydream, Emotions, <laughs> you know, it's like because she is such a feminine artist mm-hmm. it's like so it doesn't hide from that it. is why she is so dismissed yeah which... now guys do you think any of those albums are on the rolling stone 500 albums list Ooh. i would hope butterfly would be on there okay. or music box what do you think Kristen? i okay so i think that if 
I don't, I, I, I think it's not looking good for Mariah. Just as far as Rolling Stone is concerned, they do not. And especially because like what I just said, which is her being a very feminine forward artist. I know that they just did a big redo of the list this year though. And things Mm -hmm. got really shaken up. And I wonder if that got her included. If she has an album on it, I feel like it could be, oh, I don't know, Daydream, Music Box, Daydream or Music Box. Okay. So uh, you're right in that she did not have one on the original 500 list, mm -hmm. but she did have one on the 2020 update. Okay. And the album that's on the update is... The Emancipation, Emancipation of, of Mimi. Mimi. Oh, fucking, I, I almost said it. I really did. And I bet it's in the 400s. Ooh, maybe. Yeah, I think it's like 412. I would hope it's like in the 300s. Okay. It is 389. Which is so close to 412. And I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. I've been Split not the difference between both well. of you. I have not been doing very well lately on this. I used to do very well and I've I my groove is coming back. You you might say that uh <laughs> so I mean I like I think there is a little bit of revisionist history with Mariah and you know the Rolling Stones set and the critics do not always embrace her, but we're you know, they're starting, especially the makeup of who critics are changes that also you know with her work and her discography that has also shifted and so yeah i mean putting emancipation of mimi as a classic album i think is fair i think it's also you know you could say that it's hard to have an album out there that went diamond the way music box did uh, and not say that it's classic just because or daydream also went diamond like to have these albums like that that sold that much that you have to say something in terms of their impact whether or not they're classic in the critical sense but let's talk about the next category critical acclaim it's tricky it, because of and we've touched on it a decent amount your standard rock critics do not want to embrace mariah or certainly didn't in the beginning but now that we've seen the kind of impact she's had and as she became more of an artist, it's like critics wanted to always acknowledge this is a person who knows how to sing, but she's not doing the kind of challenging, daring artistic work that we want from her because that's what we believe to be art. But now we have a shift in the way that critics think about things. So I guess who would you think that they would say in that category, if not Mariah, who? I think the critics were always pretty kind to what Janet did because the type of albums she made were conceptual and political in comparison to Mariah, which they might see as like kind of shiny pop. Janet was doing stuff that was a little more challenging. I see. Okay. I was just, I was curious about that because you were just talking about like kind of, yeah, making a more of an artistic statement, but now I I see what you're saying. Yeah. As we've gotten more younger journalists, as we've stopped being so tied to genre and tied to the concept of like such an anti-pop sentiment permeated Mm -hmm. for so long. And I think we're just at a point now where we've gone past that. So newer critics, yeah, I agree with you. I yeah. think that like older critics are, they're never going to be like, yay, Mariah is bae. 
Um, <laughs> it's not happening. They're not going to do it. But I think, you know, younger critics, people under 50, for the most part, yeah. uh, think that she's worthy of critical acclaim. Uh, Brittany, would you ever call yourself a music critic? I know you're maybe consider yourself more of a journalist, but do you consider yourself a poptimist? Uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe on Twitter, I'm more of a critic. Um, uh -huh. I like to definitely interact with music stands on there and try to figure out what they think is cool and what's not. But it's really hard for me to understand that Mariah wouldn't be seen as a great artist, but I do think that most critics don't embrace her. Like I think about mm -hmm. how she only has five Grammys and that's so bizarre to me because I think she deserves so much more. Yeah. Um, compared to other artists that have tons of Grammys. But I think in the last few years, her persona has kind of dampened how people view her as an artist. But I think we're entering into a phase where people are like, oh, Mariah is a really great artist. But I'm also really nervous that it's just going to be only centered around Christmas. You know, most of the Mariah media that I see is surrounding kind of like her acting career crazy quote unquote you know or like listen to her making her kids sing harmony with them. <laughs> she makes her kids sing back of the twins i just love it i think it's really wonderful but i do wonder if maybe she's becoming more of a novelty than is deserved for her career yeah although we might be entering a phase where we are recognizing her abilities and her skills she was inducted into the songwriters hall of fame last year so i mean okay okay i mean i'm here for it i'm into it i just worry because i know that the internet is such a you know fickle deadly place for people to expose themselves and be vulnerable in yeah. any way mm -hmm. yeah that's true now the next category we don't really have to spend too much time on because it's commercial success you said the word diamond about many. Oh yeah, my one other question was: <laughs> Is the 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 emancipation of Mimi did that go diamond? What, what it went was six times platinum. Released in two thousand five, though, where it's like if something was released in the nineties, it was like that's the pinnacle. That's when you can go diamond. You yeah, know, people are starting to get Napster in two thousand five. Napster's probably Napster. gone at this point. What's on? What's We're on LimeWire? Lime yeah, <laughs> yeah, LimeWiring. Yeah. Two thousand five. Yeah, you know. absolutely, but. So many platinum albums, EPs going platinum, singles going platinum. She sold, they don't even know how much she's sold, but it's like over 200 million records, wow. which I mean, we talked about Outcast like a few weeks ago and we were like, they sold like 20 million. And it's like fucking kick fucking rocks Outcast. Because <laughs> Mariah is just, this is where, you know, commercial success, it's like doesn't even begin to, it like goes beyond our metrics for it. She's just sold so many records that, she scores a thousand out of 100 on this category. She I, really does. I don't know like what else to say other than like. And like she wrote all, so many of those songs. It's we'll, just yeah, like we'll, incredible. We'll get to that. You know, I know that we will get, it's going to be artistry. I I know about yeah, the yeah. category. Yeah, yeah, Anyway, so yeah, I, the, some of these categories are just like, there's really nothing to say. Like the numbers speak for themselves. And then when we talk about the next category, longevity, 1990 was her first album, which went many times platinum. And then as, as we said, every year she was putting out an album that went multi-platinum and had number one singles on it. She had a little dip there with Glitter, but then she came back in 2005 with the Emancipation of Mimi, which went six times platinum. And then three years later, E equals MC squared is the last album that she had that went platinum. Still a huge success. So we're talking 18 years, which 
very few people have been able to do at the top. You know, it's a long imperial phase, if you will. Yeah. And I don't think that there's any artist today that, other than Beyonce, that could probably do that, Jay Z. Um, but I don't think there's any other artist today that I can think could do that. And I don't think even Beyonce has hit that year mark yet. You know? Yeah. yeah. I don't still... think she's slowing down, though. I think. But yeah, yeah, she could do she it. She will. It's like um, incredible to me that she can continue to mm -hmm. make the caliber of work that she makes that is both commercially su successful, completely interesting and yeah. political. And, and there's an example of someone popular. yeah, in that category of making pop music that critics embrace. But uh, you, you also have to hand it to someone like Mariah who had to weather the fucking 90s and a culture that wanted to see her spiral out we talked about that when we we revisited whitney recently like there there was something happening in like the 90s and 2000s with the way we treated our pop stars where it got dirty and you know she almost i mean she obviously had her problems but she climbed out of it and i said that really i think you have to give her credit for that next category is influence i mean I think there's so many artists today that have been inspired by Mariah. I mean, even Beyonce, even Beyonce. Um, has been inspired by Mariah. But then you listen to Christina Aguilera. It's so obvious that Mariah was one of the key artists that she listened to that inspired her. And then you have Ariana Grande. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's clearly, you know, she went to the school of Mariah Carey. Um, she's definitely has used a blueprint and she's very much Mariah 2.0. Yeah. I, Mariah set the template for what a pop singer does and how literally how they sing like the, the melisma thing, which is, you know, holding a syllable, but doing different notes within it, you know, and Mariah's mother is an opera singer. And I, I think that's the influence that she gets from her. And then and that's just the standard. That's what everybody does. And then, you know, like people like Christina Aguilera took it to kind of comical, <laughs> directions <laughs> uh but like yeah she she set the the template of what you know and obviously there's you have to acknowledge whitney before her but like i think there was she did popularize certain ways of singing and then the crossover stuff that we've been talking about too i think is is super big to acknowledge about embracing r&b embracing hip-hop having a feature artist i think she's a, a, extremely influential uh, next category is artistry slash skill. What's I mean, obvious? Yeah, like skill, obviously. And artistry is where, you know, I think some people are split, but I think we've seen. You know who's not split? The Songwriters Hall of Fame. They're not split on her artistry. Okay. So yeah. right. you could take your split and put it in your own backside. Okay. Because <laughs> she's an artist. I Just mean, she can sing five octaves. And that whistle note, like everyone tries to imitate that. Like it's just. It's inhuman. <laughs> I remember, yeah. I have a very dear memory of being out to karaoke in private room karaoke. Thank God. Um, <laughs> with some friends and my friend is a huge Mariah fan. And he was like, we were very drunk. And he's like, and I was like, oh, let's put some Mariah in. You cannot casually 
karaoke a fucking no. Mariah song, Absolutely especially not. not emotions, you dumb dumbs. No, no. Thank no. God. We literally got to the end and we're like, oh shit, this is where she just goes flies off. Like yeah. she ascends into the heavens. You can't even, you can't, there's no faking it. You can't do it. There's nothing you can do to sound good in that moment. No. And yeah. Many have tried to. I mean, Christina Aguilera, Ariana, and it's just it's just watered down. No, she yeah, she I mean Ryan's one of a kind, without a doubt. Uh all right, last category, maybe most important category. <laughs> Does my mom know who they are? Now, has your mom been alive in the last? <laughs> my mom has 30 eyes. Thirty years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like that's she is so uh, Mariah is so culturally ubiquitous that like even if you only knew like five people, like maybe one of them would be Mariah. She's just one of the most famous people uh, of all time and has name recognition, even for the people who don't know they like don't like her they're not into her they don't listen whatever. to that kind of music or it right. doesn't matter like she's so so big beyond uh, uh, definition yeah she's like a mega star in the way that very few people are many of the people who have been inducted <laughs> yes. yeah yeah well sliding us right into the next segment yeah so it's time for the verdict should Mariah Carey be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Will she? And if so, when? And we'll start with Kristen. What a treat and a joy to give this verdict to you all today. I think she should. I think she will. I think it's not going to be this year. I would be really surprised. I mean, I would be elated. Don't get me wrong. Could you imagine she gets on the ballot this year? She gets, I mean, I would. I, okay. I, in my fantasy, Thank you. Name check featuring ODB. Uh, I would have her in already. I think that when she gets in, I think she'll probably get in in the next five years. I think she's the next in the token lane of pop singers that the Janet Whitney tributary has, I mean, just the crown flows very easily to Mariah. She kind of fell off the cultural map for a bit and I think with her Christmas special this year and stuff she's back in the conversation even more so than she would have been so yeah I think in the next couple of years she will get in great Brittany what do you think should she will she and when she should be do I think she will I think she will and I hope it's soon because I'm really nervous they're going to just like induct her when like she passes on because they tend to do that with black yeah. women they're yes, like they wait until they die and then mm -hmm. they're like oh, she is a legend. We should adopt her now. So that's the only thing that I'm worried about. But I hope that now that she's rolling out these ideas of like, she is a legend and reminding us like, hey, I wrote all these songs and she's coming out with albums that remind us all the hits that she has. And then every Christmas we're reminded about her. So I think critics will definitely want to induct her. I don't know if it's going to be in five years. I feel like it could be 10, but I hope it's earlier. Me too, because I want to go see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like you know uh i really do oh i would yeah joe so i obviously think she should i think she will i think it could happen this year really i think it could happen this year i i think it would be very likely for her to be on the ballot with it feels like she's next in line after whitney and i mean 
I'm not saying it will happen. My but... only my only pushback, and I know this is your time to shine, Joe, but like my only pushback on that is who's gonna fight for her in the room? And I'm just curious because and maybe I've been too influenced by the old white men that we've had on the show who used to run the nomcom, but I sometimes think that I just don't know who's going to go hard for Mariah in the room. I think she could get brought up and everyone will go, oh yeah, nice idea. Sure, sure, sure. But mm-hmm. for her to get the votes from the, being the top three in the room, it just, I, I wonder. I think it could happen. I think if, I think if Whitney can get through, you know, in a way that I was not expecting, I think. I definitely was not expecting Whitney as well. Yeah. And also we are in a new era of the Rock Hall with the new chairman, this guy, John Sykes, who's an iHeartRadio guy. He's very much like a, from what I can tell, we don't really know because we haven't seen anything happen in this era. But to me, he seems like a big marquee name headliner type of guy that would want a big name like Mariah. That's the sense I get. I also, you know, in reading about Mariah, the name Elisa Gardner kept popping up as someone who covered her a lot at USA Today. And that's someone who's in the nominating committee. So All right. just, that's good. I don't know. I don't know. Also, the, the fucking, there are some suits in there that are just there to make a great ceremony and, you know, that tend to go with the populist route. And Mariah is someone to consider. I would cry. I'm tearing up thinking about it. If, it would be very cool. If not this year, I do think, I think she is the next five years. Like it's unavoidable to me. Like, how can you even continue to do it without? her name at the very least coming up and being on the ballot. I hope so. I hope I see it soon. I really am excited for Mariah. Now, if Mariah gets in, who inducts Mariah? Who gives the speech? We've brought up some names before. I think the obvious heir apparent and like huge marquee name is Ariana Grande. I feel like she would pick Beyonce to induct her, Mm -hmm. but I could see them go the Ariana Grande route, especially if it was in the next few years to pull in the young viewers that would never pay attention to the rock hall but i see it more so beyonce do you think that they could get beyond i think that's been the the big question is would beyonce come to the rock hall are her and mariah close enough that she would do it out of respect or if it happens this year and her husband is being inducted right Right? that would be oh yeah that's right jay-z is getting in this year hi okay so, he's going to get inducted? I mean, we're oh, yeah. we're considering we're, it to be a slam dunk. I think yeah. it's a pretty much yeah. a lock. Inclusion. It will be very, very surprising if he is not in. So my that dream would be class, amazing if they had Mariah and Jay-Z and then they could perform together or something. They do, like, they oh do Heartbreaker. <laughs> that would be we very cool. We should be cool. the producers. Um, oh my <laughs> God. I mean, I make a dream ceremony all the, on every episode. I'm like, okay. Oh my God. Yes, but, that would be yeah. so great. Thinking of the hall though and like who they would want to get. And we do know that Ariana was on, was scheduled to do one of the songs for the Whitney tribute. Like she seems open to going to the rock hall and she just is such a fangirl for Mariah. I do think she could give a very personal and uh, passionate speech that I think could be good. Well, and they just, she just was on her Christmas special too, the, this year's one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mentioned in her little docu concert on Netflix. She mm-hmm. talked about how much Mariah inspired her and she was like emotional that Mariah likes her and wanted her in the special. So Oh mm-hmm. They have a little friendship. That's now. very cute. Then it could but also if Beyonce inducted her. I mean, 
yeah. get out of here. Nobody's gonna, if you could have Beyonce, there is literally no one else you would want to have. Right. But knowing who the rock hall can get, it will probably be Jennifer Hudson or Alicia Keys. Yep. All right. <laughs> <That is correct. laughs> now, so Mariah performs at the, I would hope she would perform at the ceremony. I don't know that that would be necessarily a foregone conclusion, but let's say Mariah performs at her own induction. What are like three or four songs that you think she has to play, Brittany? So it's in the dark. Let's, add, let's, let's, have, let's, have, let's have our guests go first, Kristen. <laughs> I she would obviously open with Vision of Love. Mm-hmm. I feel like she would do We Belong Together. Mm-hmm. She would have to do an up tempo song. So I feel like either Fantasy or Honey. And then she would close out with Hero because, you know, you got to give that tearjerker song. That's a good list. I think I agree with you. Vision of Love and like We We Belong Together are almost like the bookends of her career on some level. And I think fantasy is a really good choice. Heartbreaker if Jay-Z is getting inducted that year. Yes. And then maybe like Always Be My Baby is a is a good choice, a popular choice as well. What do you think, Kristen? (laughs) Well, that was I really was going on that same journey. It just (laughs) I was doing it in my mind of like the, you know, it's like we start in the dark and then you hear the drum just like boom you treated and it's like happening vision of love begins it's like a you know she's just in a little spotlight and then like the background singers come out and it's ariana and it's all of it's jennifer hudson it's all of them you know and they are back there it's very beautiful and then we go on the the longer journey but i think opening with it has to be vision of love as the opening Mm-hmm. And I do think, I think there's room in there for some sort of like early nineties montage. If we wanted oh, one, like a medley? you know, a medley of, um, emotions and someday and uh dream lover and, or whatever, you know, kind of like all the kind of early night. I Get know you dream don't think dream shit. lover is the <laughs> one. Not happening. Here's me. It's, it's not happening. The stage is dark. We hear dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's happening (laughs) well let me ask this especially Brittany, because you have not seen mariah live if she got inducted into the rockmore hall of fame would you go i would go just to see mariah perform and jay-z if jay-z yeah right ticket as well oh my god oh my gosh oh could you imagine also it's going to be in cleveland next year so you can go return back that ex of yours i don't even have my home but like live yeah tell him what a scrubby is and how he didn't understand Uh, (laughs) i'd be like who's laughing now (laughs) yeah uh you were wrong you idiot yeah and you know what we'll be there too and we'll help you egg his house It'll be great. Yes. It'll be perfect. Can you imagine if they have these friggin' superstars though? Like if Mariah Carey and Jay Z are in <sighs> Cleveland at the same time. I yeah, I don't know if. Uh, and Cleveland city... loves Jay Z, so it would be a madhouse. They would be so excited. Oh my gosh. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun we defending Mariah. Now I have so much hope that she's going to make it into the Rock Hall. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Following the rock hall is also a a lesson in disappointment. Uh, Yeah, that's true. But take the opportunity right now, plug your shit, your social media, anything you want people to see or read or whatever, go for it. Yeah, I'm most active on Twitter. So follow me on Sleep to Dream. It's the number two, not T-W-O. Um, after the Fiona Apple Yeah, song. I'm like the Fiona Apple. <laughs> Perfect. And then you can 
follow my blog as pierreintomylife.com. And then you can see any of my articles on my Twitter account that I post. Great. Well, listeners, you know, you can follow us at Rock Hall Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Rockhallpod at gmail.com is the email. If you want Kristen to see that, you're going to need to designate that somewhere in your message. Otherwise, I am not forwarding it. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us. Five stars only. If it's not five stars, it is rude. Thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. Thank you to Yusuke Kim for the music. Thank you to Pantheon Podcast for hosting us. Thank you to AKG for the nice little microphone. I'm Joe Quazala. I'm Kristen Studdard. And who cares about the rock call? It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.